Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to grab your Bibles if you would tonight. I'd like you to go to John chapter 19. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, worship team. We're so blessed. Thank you, Jesus. This is such a sacred week as we entered in through Passover and now through Good Friday and now heading into resurrection. What a week, huh? What a sacred holy week. It's a week of worship and honor to the King of Kings, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. So thankful. None of us could have ever imagined that it would, it would come at such an ultimate price, the brutality of a Roman cross given to Jesus to purchase our salvation, to purchase our salvation, to purchase our soul, to be the propitiation for our sins. None of us could have ever fathomed. You know, when I think, <clears throat> I think it, we walk out of here and it's, it's so normal to see people with silver, beautiful silver crosses or beautiful gold crosses hanging from their necklaces tonight. No one could have ever fathomed in Jesus' time just, just the wicked brutality of that crucifixion of death, the mortality of it, the aggression of it, that one day that would literally become a a piece of jewelry that would be worn in deep honor and reverence for all that Jesus has done in pouring his life out. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to me. It would require a love that is not of this world to save this world. Amen? A love that is not of this world but was for this world to save this world. Hallelujah. Before we look at John 19, it was John the Baptist in John chapter 1 who was, he was baptizing in the Jordan River. Verse 29, it says that one day he turned and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that powerful? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a revelation. What an extraordinary revelation that is. You know, when, when the people turned, they weren't looking for a lamb. John pointed straight to Jesus. What a profound revelation that must have been that day. In Revelation, put these in your notes tonight, in Revelation 13, 8, and I'm making my way to John 19 with you. In Revelation 13, 8, it says that all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hear that. From the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This was the title of Jesus in, from eternity past. He didn't become the crucified Lamb just in present time when he came to the earth. He was already the provisionary lamb slain from the foundation of the world in eternity past when he and his father and the Holy Spirit convened 
And they strategized and made the plan, knowing all things, knowing what the enemy would do. They made the plan for redemption together. And Jesus said, I will be, I will be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Isn't that awesome to think about? To think that Jesus will forever, forever throughout all eternity be known as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want you to listen to the words of Peter. This is in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Is it behind me? 1 Peter 1. It says, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct received by your traditions from your fathers. But no, we were redeemed with what? With the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. And of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained, or we could use the word, he was predetermined. It was already predetermined, preset, preordained before the foundation of the world. But it was manifest in these last times for you and for I. Who through him who believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Come on, can somebody shout amen tonight? Isn't that absolutely beautiful? That Jesus was preordained, set apart to be the Lamb of God. This is how redemption came to us. We were not redeemed with these natural means of gold and silver. We were redeemed together by the precious blood of the Lamb. It was Jesus' own words that he said to Nicodemus. How many of you are following the Chosen series? Oh, good. That's the majority of you. Yes, season two starts tomorrow. Begin your binging. Hallelujah. Let's binge together. We were at the, at the Gibbs house last night up late again watching several of the episodes. And man, when, Pete, or excuse me, when Jesus sets with Nicodemus and he begins to say, For God, he so loved the world that he gave his only one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's the most beautiful, epic words to ever be spoken into the earth. The gravity of these words, the power and the revelation of these words. Remember, it was, it was Jesus that said in John 6, He said, My words, they are spirit and they are life. My words, they are spirit and life. Everything in creation was hanging on itself at the breath of Jesus' words as the Creator stepped down into creation and began to reveal the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus went on. He says, he who believes in him is not condemned. Aren't you glad you're not condemned? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not condemned. Hallelujah. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he who has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. When Paul speaks of this Passover lamb, put it in your notes tonight. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
in verse 7, he says, For Christ is our Passover lamb that has been sacrificed. He, lived for, he came to live for you and I, folks. He came to die for you and me. He rose from the dead for you and me. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. And most important of all, in 2021, you have to hear this afresh and let it light your spirit up and let it burn within you. Jesus Christ is coming again soon, just as he promised, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming for you and me. Hallelujah. If you look back in John 18, just one chapter, and let your eyes fall upon verse 37. When Jesus was standing before Pilate, he says, are you a king then? Let's get down to the brass tacks. That's what my grandpa always said to me. Let's get down to the brass tacks, big daddy. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, right? In the words of Nacho Libre, the nitty-gritty. All right, four of you know that, and that's really sad. So anyway, back to the scriptures, and yes, we're back. Jesus said, you say rightly that, that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who hears, or excuse me, and everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Oh my. It's so powerful. We're jumping into John 19 right now from the very beginning. I want to read the next 30 verses to you slowly. And I want you to read with me tonight. And so then Pilate, he took Jesus and he scourged him. He scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head. And they put, him, put on him a purple robe. And they said... Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and he said, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. And therefore... When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him, crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And therefore, when Pilate heard the saying, he was more afraid. Wow. Yes. And he went into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer. And Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who has delivered me to you has the greater sin. Whoo! That is heavy. That is heavy. And from then on, Pilate sought how he might release him. But the Jews cried out saying, 
That if you let this man go, you are not a friend of Caesar's. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Isn't that amazing? That's such a powerful moment. How this whole political, twisting, religious and political spirit was intertwining itself to manipulate them and and intimidate even Pilate himself. You better do what we say. That's something. And Pilate therefore heard, when he heard the saying, he brought Jesus out and he sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, and in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, Wow, we have no king but Caesar. Wow. Wow. Then he delivered them to them. He delivered them to them to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus and they led him away. And he bearing the cross went out to the place called the skull, the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. And now Pilate wrote a title, and he put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And then when many of the Jews, they read this title, For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Therefore, the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, He said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. What an answer. And then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they made four parts to each soldier apart, and also his tunic. And now the tunic was without seam, woven from top top in one piece. And And they said there among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garment amongst themselves and my clothing they cast for lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Man, I, I, I am just feeling this in my chest. It's amazing to me reading these words that they did not tear Jesus, the seam of of Jesus' clothes, of his garment. Yet in moments when Jesus would breathe his last breath, declaring it is finished, the veil of the temple would be ripped in two for access into the presence of Almighty God. Now there stood by the cross Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he had loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, we know being John, took her as to his own home. 
And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled it with a sponge. They filled the sponge with sour wine and put with it hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. It is finished. It is accomplished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Wow. Wow. Lord, tonight, may the anointing of the Holy Spirit continue to flow through this house and upon our hearts. And may the revelation and the power of your love take us into your grip tonight. May revelation take hold of us tonight, Lord, the glory of your suffering, the tragedy and the horror of your pain that you endured for us at the cross. Thank you, Lord. Lord, receive glory tonight, even at the reading of these scriptures, at the listening of your sons and daughters. Receive glory and honor that you are worthy of in Jesus' name. Amen. When we began to read in John 19, we look at the first verse. It says that they took Jesus and they scourged him. They scourged him. It was a Roman law. It was a, it was a custom and a tradition that they would give 40 lashings of a whipping to impart death to any kind of criminal. Yet we know that Jesus was given 39 lashes, one minus unto death, so that they could save him and take him to be crucified. How powerful. This Passover lamb had to have his body, his back, literally ripped open for us. And we know that at the first Passover celebration that happened where? It was in Egypt. They had passed through the ten plagues of Moses. And now the death angel was passing through. And the instruction of Moses was, I want you to take the blood of that lamb. Inspect the lamb. Make sure it's without blemish, without spot. And then prepare the lamb and take its blood and post it up over the doorpost. And hide yourself within your shelter within your house under the covering of that blood. Wow. Jesus being our Passover lamb, his body was literally ripped open to shreds. The Bible says that Jesus' body was so ripped apart that it was beyond human recognition. Now that is hard to fathom. That Jesus was unrecognizable as he hung crucified before that crowd of people and the throngs of heaven. And I often wonder what it was like for the angels, the innumerable angels of the throne of God to witness the Son of God hanging there upon that tree. Cursed for us, literally becoming sin. Bearing the weight of our sin, becoming sin for us. What it was like for the angels to watch the Son of God, the eternal Lamb of God, now hanging on this tree. 
The lamb had to be taken. What, what they did that night in Passover is they put the lamb there in the house or on a horizontal and vertical stand which the lamb's body hung upon and as the, the blood then would drain out of that lamb, they took, took then the blood and applied it to the door. And as Jesus back and body was freely given, freely given for us, His blood began to pour out for the redemption of our sin and the healing of our bodies. Hallelujah. He made atonement forever and ever and ever to every generation that would believe. He made atonement to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. And to heal our bodies and to remove every iniquity and stain and sickness from our lives. The lamb could not have a bone broken within it. We know this. The high priest was the one who had to examine the lamb to make atonement for the sins of the children of Israel. Then the lamb was then skinned and it was prepared for roasting. You look at verse 29 of your Bible. We, we just read the verse 28. It says, knowing all things were now accomplished that the scripture would be fulfilled. Hallelujah. The scriptures were fulfilled perfectly in order just as the prophets foretold that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah coming. He was an unstoppable force, but it was unstoppable love that he would withhold nothing, nothing of himself. As it says, as the Apostle Paul wrote these powerful words, in Romans chapter 8, concerning the Father, He being the Father, He said, He withheld no good thing by giving all that He had to give in the consummation of His Son. And if He did not withhold even giving His Son, shall He not then freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So powerful. At the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of our Father. At the cross, Jesus bore the punishment and the wrath and the anger of our Father towards sin, towards iniquity. Why did He do it? So that Jesus could present Himself unto the Father to become sin for us so that we might become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was a glorious exchange, a mind-boggling exchange that God wrote the terms of the deal. God wrote the terms of the deal. God wrote the contract Himself and said, I will make my son sin for you so that you can become righteousness unto me. Go ahead and give the Lord praise. It's hard to comprehend. It's so hard to comprehend the measure and the power of this kind of love. It's hard to comprehend it. It's bottomless. It's fathomless. Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 10 and verse 18. A verse that we've, we've heard in the sanctuary the last many weeks. That Jesus said that no one can take my life from me. I freely lay it down. I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take my life up once again because I've received this command from my Father. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom. Matthew wrote about this. The, the Apostle Matthew wrote about this in Matthew 20 in verse 28. He said, these are Jesus' words, Jesus' words. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. But watch what he says. And to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life for ransom for many. For every tribe and tongue Jesus was given. Every tribe and tongue. Listen to this scripture in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, For he himself is the propitiation for our sin, and not ours only, watch, for the whole world. Everybody see that? For the whole world, for every tribe, for every tongue, once and for all. When Jesus paid the penalty in full, when the wrath of God came upon him, it was once and for all for every tribe, for every tongue, for every nation group, Jesus died. To those of you that watched the torch this week, I said, when you begin to think about the nations of the earth, Ethiopians, right? Swedes, right? Americans, Floridians, are you out there tonight? Yes, you are. Libyans, Indians, Mexicans, Saudi Arabians, Iranians, Russians, hallelujah, Europeans. Jesus died for every tribe and tongue, every nation, every creed. He gave his life as a ransom. Now this word propitiation, how many of you use that word in the last two weeks? Sure, I hear you saying it all the time. Yeah, right. Propitiation, it's quite a word. Look at it, 1 John 2 and 2. It says that Jesus was made our propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? It literally means that Jesus was, he was made an atonement for. It means to make reparations for a wrong. Listen, to make repara reparations for a wrong. Propitiation means it's the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone or something. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? It's the silence of the lambs has hit the church. I said, did you catch that? Where are you at? Where are you at? Okay. Make sure. Come on. Online audience, help me. Are you with me? It is the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone. Think of that. The propitiation. Because of what Jesus did, him bearing our sin, our shame, our generational malfunctions, all the stuff that we can hardly comprehend that we were once bound as a slave to, Jesus became that. And because he became our propitiation, 
for our sins. What happened? There was a transaction of divine favor that came upon your life. Divine favor and blessing and grace was poured out on you. The Lord lavished his grace over you because of the blood of his son. Isn't that powerful? Powerful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to read to you the words out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from the Apostle Paul. Mighty words. He says, this is the gospel, chapter 1, or uh, chapter 15, verse 1. This is the gospel which we preach to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Don't hurdle over those words. How do you bear up? How do you stand? You stand in the word. You stand in the word. You stand in the power of the gospel. That's how you stand in this hour against the wiles of the devil. You stand in the power of this gospel, which you were also saved if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I love that. When the Apostle Paul went into the city of Corinth, it was a Grecian city, and he preached this message to them. He says, I determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Put it in your notes tonight. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. He said, when he went into the city, I determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then Paul went on to say this. He says, we preach Christ crucified. Hear these words tonight. We preach Christ crucified. Now, <laughs> when you talk about Christ crucified in 2021, you better be ready for the mockers. You better be ready for the God mockers and the God haters. Are you hearing me? And that's what Paul was up against when he went into Corinth. They thought it was absolute absurdity. They thought the cross, the preaching of the cross of Christ was a bunch of nonsense. And sadly, many today in 2021 think it's the same thing. They think it's nonsense. But I want to rebuttal that with the word of God. Try this one on for size. How about this? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25. Put it in your notes. 125. 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, it's in the cross. When you look at the brutal mortality of the cross, you look at the horror of the cross, Yet you see this overwhelmingly glorious manifestation of the love of God. And you have to go to the cross, my friend. You have to see the beauty of the cross. You got to see the majesty of Jesus, who was sinless and perfect in every way. 
He was everything the Father had to give. He was the total consummation of all the Father had to give. Jesus had the audacity to say, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Yet Jesus was willing to hold nothing back and to take the nails in his hands, to take the nails in his feet, to wear the crown of thorns, to be mocked, to be jeered, to be wounded, to be smitten by God, to be afflicted by God, to be tortured by the hands of wicked men. What they did to Jesus, is, it's beyond what I can say. I called some friends here last night in the church to congratulate them on their new home. They were watching The Chosen, like the Gibbs family. <laughs> and they said, when we finish up, we're going to watch The Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen that, just out of curiosity? Wow. Man. Wow. Mel Gibson did an extraordinary, extraordinary gift. Extraordinary gift to this generation by giving us the Passion of the Christ. And yet, it's still hard to fathom the depths and the agony that Jesus endured for us. When you read in Hebrews, and I, I know that many still wonder who the writer of Hebrews is. I personally believe it, it was the Apostle Paul. But I believe that Paul, when he scribed these words, he said it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the pain and the shame and the agony of the cross. It was for joy. And I'm looking at the joy that was in his heart tonight. That's why he endured that brutal cross. It was the joy. It was the joy of you. It was the joy of you and I. Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes these words, chapter 5, verse 6, and six through 8. He said, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that's sobering, isn't it? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked at where we were, but he knew what he was going to do and how he was going to release his transformational power of the Holy Spirit within us to make us sons and daughters of the living God without sin, without blemish, Righteous before him. You can throw this in your notes tonight. Galatians 2 in verse 20. This is such a powerful revelation. We must know that when Jesus was crucified, Paul tells us that we were crucified with him. When Jesus was crucified, we were crucified in him and with him. He says, for I, was, for I was crucified with Christ, and yet nevertheless I live. 
Yet not I, but it's now Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The power, the power of this crucifixion is that you and I died with him. We died our old sin nature. All, everything that was contrary to the Spirit of God was crucified in him. So that we would also not only be crucified with him, but buried with him and then raised with him in glory and seated with him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Woo. In Romans 6, 6, it's good for you to use your Bible. We never, we never apologize around here for using our Bibles. Amen. Romans 6, 6, you can put it in your notes. I know I'm giving you oceans of Scripture tonight, and that's all right. That's all right. I feel an Elvis song coming on. That's all right, my mama. That's all right with me. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right, my mama. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we're going to say Our old man was crucified with him. That we do not need to serve sin any longer. Look at verse 14. Romans 6, 14. It says, sin shall no longer have dominion over us. Sin has no more dominion over you. Why? You've already died. You and I have already died. Think of that. Sin does not... See, revelation establishes what? Authority. Revelation establishes what? Authority. When we have a revelation that we died with Christ, that we were crucified with Him, that means sin can no longer have dominion over us. Listen, you don't have to wait to die to be set free from sin. Where's the hope in that? Oh man, if I could just be delivered from this body of sin. You've already been delivered by this body of sin. You were crucified with the Lord. Romans 6, 14. It'll, it'll no longer have dominion over you. Romans 6, verse 7. Look at it. For he who died has been freed from sin. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Whatever temptation, whatever vile temptation the enemy tries to throw at you, tries to seduce you with, you can tell the enemy... I have been set free from the dominion and the power of sin. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How did it happen? It happened at the cross. It happened at the cross. This is a powerful verse. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. The Apostle Paul he writes about the implications of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he stated this truth that he personally experienced. This is what he said, that I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection 
before, before we go on. See, folks, this is an ongoing prayer. This is an ongoing prayer. It's not, it's not a scripture that we just memorize. Or, or when, when we throw open the scriptures and we're, we're in times like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Philippians 3.10. Sure. And we just begin to quote it. No. It has to become a revelation. Paul was crying out to know Jesus. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. His pedigree was above anything that we could fathom in the law. He knew it all. Yet, he was crying within himself, Oh, that I may know Jesus. Oh, that I may have a revelation of this power. The power of the resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering being conformed unto his death. Is that a prayer of yours tonight? That you would know the power of this resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Paul writes these words, and I heard somebody pray it tonight in our intercessory prayer before service. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, None of this matters, but hallelujah, he has been risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And Paul writes in Romans 1.4, he says, By his resurrection from the dead, he has been declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. He has been declared to be the Son of God. In power. How? By raising him from the dead. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's so bottomless. It's just, we're going to be learning this for all of eternity. We're going to be swimming in this for all of eternity. What the Father did in giving Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. And Isaiah writes it like this, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Speaking of the Messiah to come. He says, surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You should underline those words. Look them up. Stricken, smitten, afflicted. That's what happened at the cross. That's what happened at Golgotha, the place of the skull. He was smitten. He was stricken. He was afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We are healed. And all we like sheep, we've gone astray. Isn't that the truth? We all went astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Here's some more words. He was oppressed. Man, that's a powerful word. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. 
He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. One of the things that is hard for me to bear is when I watch documentaries about men and women who were sentenced to prison that were innocent. It is the most challenging, challenging thing to endure and bear. And then you see the story and the facts begin to come out. You see all the files opened and they begin to go back through the story. And then the tragic wonder of the news then comes out. This person who's been sitting in jail for nearly 30 years for a crime they never committed was innocent. And then you see them being released from prison. You've seen these stories. I've, I, I weep over these stories. And they come out and all of their family that's still living is there greeting them, loving them, the anguish, the pain. And, and, and journalists are there just trying to put a mic in their face. What's it like being, being released? My friends, Jesus was no criminal. He was no criminal. Yet, man, he did not open his mouth. He did no violence. He didn't try to protect himself. He was a man on a mission. He knew his assignment. He knew his charge from the very throne of his father. He knew his vision. He would lay down his life as a ransom, as an innocent, pure, pure lamb. Why did he do it? Because he desired to destroy the power of sin and its dominion over your life and my life. He did not want us to live on this earth and be smitten, smitten by intimidation of the enemy or for us to be in bondage to shame and condemnation of what we had done in our past lives. Are you still with me? Are you hearing this? God had a dream. My sons and daughters, they'll not be slaves. They'll not be slaves to condemnation and shame. For every weapon that the enemy would bring against us, the whipping posts and the cross would shield us all. How? The blood. Say it tonight, the blood. The blood. It was the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to close in these next few scriptures concerning the blood. This is such a powerful picture. And it's amazing to us the friendship that Moses had with God. God gave Moses this amazing prototype to reveal 
a heavenly protocol, but also painted to the fullness of the Son of God. And it would be given as, as a makeshift mobile church, a temple, on how to learn the protocol of coming to God. There was an outer court. There was an inner court. There was a most holy place. In the outer court, we know that there was the altar of sacrifice. There was, altar, there was also the, the washing, cleansing basin as well. The washing for purification to come in clean into the inner court. When the, when the priests walked after the sacrifice, after the cleansing, they would go into the inner court where there was the candlestick of the illumination. The candlestick of God, right? The seven candlesticks, which is the seven spirits of God, right? That's, that's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. What are those? That, that's, the spirit of, that's the spirit of revelation, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Are you with me? There it is. There's the illumination. Then there, on this side, there's the table of showbread. On that table of showbread was 12 loaves representing every 12, all the 12 tribes of Israel. Then when you passed from that table of showbread, there was the altar of incense of burning coals. Burning coals with fire within those coals. This is such a powerful picture. And remember, it was God. It wasn't, it wasn't the brilliance of Moses. It was the brilliance of God breathing into a man, giving him a prototype or a blueprint on how to come before God and worship. And there was the ark Excuse me. There was the altar of incense, and the priest would then pour the incense over those hot burning coals of fire, and that incense would go up before God. And then behind that was the veil. And, and the veil then kept the Ark of the Covenant hidden because once he left that altar of incense, he passed through that really thick veil with the blood of that lamb. And when he entered the Holy of Holies, there was only one piece of furniture that was left in that tabernacle of Moses. What was it? It was the Ark of the Covenant. It was our mercy seat. And then the priest would take that cup of the, the lamb's blood and pour it then on that mercy seat. To, to what? To make atonement, forgiveness, for the nation of Israel. All of it speaks of who Jesus truly is. Jesus is the perfection of, of sacrifice given unto God. He's the perfect sinless lamb. He is our ceremonial washing. He's the one that washes us by the power of the word. He's the word that became flesh. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is he? He's the word that cleanses us and washes us and carries us into another dimension where we move into the light, the light of the illumination of his presence. What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Are you with me? I am the perfect ascension of worship of incense and burning fire and coals, of worship that goes up before my Father. Then Paul writes in Hebrews and says that 
Jesus' flesh was literally the veil that was ripped in two for us. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing the Holy Ghost tonight? Are you still with me? He said Jesus' flesh was the veil that was ripped open. Are you seeing it? And then the high priest steps through that veil into the Holy of Holies. All you have to do is take the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place, and you take it and you turn it like this, and you'll see an ascension into the very throne room of God where Jesus ascended, not with the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but he ascended unto his Father's throne, into the holy of holies, the very throne of God, and walked into there with his own blood forever to make atonement unto the Father and say, forgiven. Paul writes about this in Hebrews 9, the power of this blood. He said, you haven't been redeemed by the blood of goats and calves. No, you've been redeemed by the very precious blood of Jesus. And this blood even has the power to wash your conscience clean from dead works so that you can go on forward to serve the living God. So powerful. So powerful. It was Isaiah who writes this in Isaiah 1. He said, our sins were literally as scarlet. But God says, come, let us reason together. I love that. That's like a good father. Come on, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. I've made a plan. That's what good fathers do, right? Hey, I've made a plan. There's a problem. Your sins are scarlet. But let us sit here and reason together because I've made a plan and what I'm going to do, I'm going to wash you whiter than snow. You are not sitting here in this room as the old man. You have put on the new man. You have put on Christ Jesus. You are righteous before God. You are righteous and clean before God. You're not who you used to be. Not when you've come through the blood of Jesus. You are a new woman. You're a new man. This is so awesome. The cross was our total victory. His resurrection, his ascension was our total victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. I'm going to end this tonight. For you were bought with a price, the death of God's Lamb. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. I was bought with a price. This time of year is so sacred 
and so holy as we, millions upon millions upon millions of believers around the earth right now are meeting in candlelight vigils, meeting in church, meeting on the ocean, meeting on the beach, meeting everywhere, lighting candles, singing hymns. This morning I had an amazing experience. How many of you like that 50 degree weather? It's going to be 55 tomorrow morning. You better bundle up on the ocean. I'm telling you right now, bring your coffee. <laughs> I had a really cool experience with the Lord this morning, and this was a first. <laughs> it was a total first. I made my coffee and knew the weather, and so I opened the doors of me and Bren's bedroom, and it's on the upper level. And when I opened the doors to just go out and sit on my chair and be with Jesus and watch the birds and hope to see some more eagles, when I opened the doors, I heard the sound of bagpipes. Our house backs up to a Florida preserve. In that Florida preserve, that particular preserve, there's a beautiful lake, gorgeous lake. And there was someone on the lake, I know right where they were because I could tell where it was coming from. I go over there to pray and I sit on this dock and watch alligators and feed turtles. <laughs> someone was playing their bagpipes and they were playing all of these majestic old hymns. I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, I just froze there at my balcony and just sat in my chair. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. They just went through all of these magnificent hymns. I mean, bagpipes. It was just filling the air, filling the trees. I'm watching the birds fly and thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is majestic. And then his grand finale was Amazing Grace. <laughs> Man, I just felt like it was a gift just for me. I know it was for everybody. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, it was stopping them in their tracks. It was so loud. Never had an experience like this before. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's the power of the blood of Jesus, my friend. Cody, would you come tonight? It's the power of the cross. We look like family in this room, and there's a few of our guests here. But I want to submit to you tonight, my friend, if you have never, if you have never come to the cross, and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. He is your King. He is your judge. Tonight would be the greatest night ever to give your life to Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the only beloved of God. And He was given for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved.
Tonight, I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes if you would. I rarely make an altar call like this, but I'd just like you to bow your heads tonight and really in reverence and in honor and contemplation tonight of all the Lord is doing and all the Lord has done, all he's continuing to do. Tonight, if that's you, you would say, Brian, I know I need to come to Jesus. I need to give my life to him. And I believe in the Father's love for me, for giving Jesus to be crucified for my sin. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to do that tonight. If that's you, if you're in this room, I just simply ask you to slip up your hand so I can see you. We want to pray with you tonight if that would be you. saved again tonight. That's your <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, we're so loved. We're so loved. And we've only just begun to worship Him. Father, I thank You for this weekend. I thank You for the celebration we are part of that is in the earth and that is in heaven and I thank you for the preparations that are going on in heaven right now to receive your bride unto yourself Lord hallelujah I pray Lord for a fresh revelation to come to us all the depth of our heart and our spirit, the power, the power of your love for us, and the power of your cross, Lord Jesus, and the power of your resurrection would come upon us afresh. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have tonight to gather and assemble as the family of God. I prayed in America, in the United States of America, from coast to coast, Lord, that we will see the day where the churches are bursting open with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, lighting this nation on fire again. You are bringing us into a third great awakening and the greatest harvest of souls we've ever known. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that you're moving in our nation, even behind closed doors that is yet to be revealed. We will see your mighty hand of power and favor. Father, I thank you that even as Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights, Lord, and everything was quiet, yet you were working to reveal a magnificent reveal. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you are working 
and you are answering the cry of your ecclesia, those that have stood with you and decreed your word over this land that has been given in covenant unto you, O oh God. We will see you pour out your glory and fire. We will see you, Father, overturn the evil works of darkness and your glory and light shall be seen and manifested to America again. In Jesus' name, we know it. We know it to be true. You're never late. You're never late. You're right on time. You never fail and you never lie. And your word is true, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that victory in every church that is gathering and assembling tomorrow morning, Lord, would have the most incredible love fest with you. May your manifest presence among us continue to increase and increase and grow and grow. And now I pray for you, my friend, my brother, my sister. I pray for you that the blessing of the Lord would rest in your home, would be upon you in the quiet place of your home, of your study. There would be rejoicing in your living room. Quiet time with the Holy Ghost in your bedroom. Walks under the stars tonight with the Lord. That you would hear His voice. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are preparing us. And you are making us a bride. Without spot or blemish for the Lamb who was without spot or blemish. You will have a bride, Lord, that is equally yoked with you, not unequally yoked. Hallelujah. Wash us, Lord. Wash us, God. Would you stand tonight? Cody, would you lead us in that?
bright shining as the sun. praise him tonight together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Takes away the sin of the world. Praise you, Jesus. Guys, I pray that you'll join us tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Ken Thompson Park. Bring your beach blankets. Bring your beach chairs. Bring your coffee. Bring your smiles. Bring me a twisty cinnamon glazed donut. Glory to God. I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. There's anointing on that. Bring some glazed donuts. Listen, we're going to have a powerful time in the morning. It's been a beautiful night. I am so thankful. And we've only just begun to worship Him. We've only just begun. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. I love you guys. My wife sends her blessings tonight. She's serving with the kids tonight. She sends her love. We love you guys so much. You are such a blessing. Happy Resurrection Weekend. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.